you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Everybody found their seat again. That's good. Uh, Today's a really cool uh, opportunity uh, for us as a community of faith because uh, we get to hear uh, an update from Bruce Bloomer. If you were here several weeks ago, uh, we prayed for Bruce uh, because he was leaving uh, to uh, travel to Haiti. Uh, there is a ministry in Haiti called Haiti Alive. And that is a big part of our hearts. Uh, there's a school that we're connected with there, a feeding program, and now a village that provides housing for women and children. So Bruce is going to talk about um, all of that. And it's really cool to connect uh, what is happening around the world with baptism. Because uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience of li- in life where you did something like in your mind, but you didn't actually do it. Like somebody in your house was like, hey babe, can you uh, take the trash out? And like in your mind, you did that thing. Just me? Or anybody? Okay. Two of you, the rest of you are lying. That's fine. I think there's a danger in following Jesus that we can follow him in our mind. But it doesn't actually find its way to our feet. And it's not just that we're not saying that we don't use our mind with following Jesus. We absolutely do. But we actually want to have like some action behind our belief in Jesus. And part of the power of baptism, it is a mechanism for mission. There's a sending that happens in the water of baptism. So baptism is not, well, now I'm in. And now I've shown everybody that I'm in. No, baptism is now Jesus whispering over your shoulder, I have some work for you to join me in. And that's part of what's so beautiful about that. So today... Uh, we get to hear from Bruce uh, about one thing that God has called Bruce to be a part of in his life. And so we get to kind of get an update uh, on what's going on there and how we can pray. So if you would uh, just do me a favor and welcome Bruce, uh, that would be amazing. Well, good to be back with you. Um, One of the days I was sitting on the beach of the ocean, um, thinking to myself, you know, God calls us to beautiful and hard things. And unfortunately, sometimes they happen at the same time. Um, Think about baptism. It's one of the most beautiful sacraments that we have in the church. Yet, it's a hard thing. Parents, now you've committed to raise your kids in a Christian way. We as a church have said, we're going to support your kids. We're going to be behind your kids. It's a beautiful thing, but it's a hard thing. And so my trip was full of a lot of beautiful things and also a few hard things I'm going to tell you about today. So I just think it's important to start with a map. And so here's the country of Haiti. It shares the island with, with the Dominican Republic. And so on the east end of the island is the Dominican, and the west end of the island is, is Haiti. Um, where we work is actually an island out in the ocean. It's called Laganov is the name of the island. It's about a 40 by 10 mile island. There's about 100,000 people that live there, but most of them live in the main city called Nsagalai, where we work. About fi- over 50,000 of the people live in that main city. 
But there's also some of this blue stuff in between the mainland. Port-au-Prince is the only international airport. So it's a difficult place to get to. And a lot of international organizations don't work in Laganov anymore because it's a difficult place to get to. Now, so it'd be a little hard to see, but this was one of the difficult times of the trip. So I, this is, is Port-au-Prince. The circle here is the area of Port-au-Prince, kind of the center of Port-au-Prince, that's pretty well controlled by police. William told me that last year, 3,000 police officers left or quit. 3,000 left. The reason they left is all those red arrows are gangs. So if you come to, if from, there's the 400 gang, here's the T-Mac-Actic gang. If you come to Port-au-Prince from that area, you pay a gang to go through that area to get into the city. So I landed at the airport. Here's where the international airport is. And I got in a van with three heavily armed young men um, with automatic weapons to go to across to this blue circle, which is a police station on the south end of, of the circle in a relatively safe area. From there, from, that, from the police station to this yellow arrow, arrow, which is the port, I was in an armored vehicle with armed guards. Government workers and, and foreign people have to be in armed vehicles because it's not safe, because you're going through gang territory. On the way back, we actually heard gunfire and automatic weapons. It's a little intimidating to hear that. And it was two rival gangs that were vying for pieces of land in Port-au-Prince. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So on this little spot right here is where I got in the boat to go 50 miles in the ocean to Laganov. Well, let me tell you, it was a hard ride. Um, it's about a 20-foot uh, boat. You sit on five to six-inch wood slats. And when we got into the ocean, we hit waves. Big waves, like a boat out of the water, bang, boat out of the water, bang, for over two hours. When I got to Lagadov, my whole back was purple. My tailbone is still not completely recuperated yet. I will say it's a little hard to sit, in a, on, sit right now. And my arms and my legs were just jelly because you're trying to hold yourself up off these seats and trying to prepare yourself for the next slam. It was brutal. The best thing that happened on the trip is we almost ran out of gas. So on the far end of Laganov, we had to stop at a remote island to get gas. And so at least I got to stand and get off my seat for a little while. It was hard. So God calls us to hard and beautiful things. So here's some of the beautiful things. Um, our school is doing really well. Um, I thought I'd take this picture. I'm not sure if you can recognize me in there. I'm not sure you can see who I am. But I'm, I'm the tall one. I'm the tall one. In case you were but the school's doing really well. We have over 200 kids. We have kindergarten through ninth grade. Um, the school is really a great place. It's named after my best friend, Rob. Um, they get together every morning for announcements and prayer. And sometimes they'll sing, sing the national anthem. And so it's really super fun to be a part of that. Um, we built a clinic onto the end of the school. But we get, basically, we just kind of got over, overrun with kids. And so we closed the clinic, and you'll see where we moved it in a little bit, and we opened a kindergarten and pre-kindergarten. And so our school is now all school. We have pre-K, and K went into the clinic, and then one through nine are in the main part of the school. It's really neat. Um, our cooks are wonderful. 
Um, we just built a new kitchen for them a couple years ago. Um, they're hardworking people. And they cook uh, rice and beans every day. We used to get food packets, which were much better because they had vitamins and minerals and protein, but we don't get those anymore because you can't get food in there right now because it's a mess. If you're a shipper, you're not going to go through what I went through to try to get food there. And so our food prices have over doubled in the last two years. It's really become hard. One of our biggest and hardest things is to make sure that we can feed the kids every day. Kind of traditional classrooms, pretty simple benches that the kids sit on. Um, a lot of recitation. They don't have a lot of books and materials like we do, so it's kind of like the old country schoolhouse. Lots of recitation. Um, you'll see here, it's a real active and noisy kind of place the way, way the school runs. Now, honestly, when I drop off soccer balls, they could care less if I was there as long as the soccer balls make it. And that is like handing out pieces of gold. They love soccer. Uh, the Dominican Republic is, Republic is baseball. Haiti is soccer. If there's a fight in the country, an argument between two people, it's between politics and soccer. That's what they argue about. That's the only thing they argue about. They love to have soccer balls brought along. Our village really turned out beautiful. I hadn't, hadn't had a chance to see the uh, village. We're building homes for women and their families, and it's just, it's really turned out great. I don't know if you remember a year or so ago, we had a fundraiser for a gate so we could have a gate all the way around the community. This is the front gate of it, of the women's village, and it's really turned out wonderful. You recognize that name? So all of our homes are named after organizations and people that have supported us. I found out that the woman that lives here has 12 children. 12. Now, these are big by Haitian standards. They're really actually very nice homes. They have a front porch. There's kind of a living area. They have actually a separate uh, toilet area. With, we, I'll show you the, how they get running water. We have flush toilets, unheard of in the country of Haiti, and two bedrooms. And so at nighttime, the family shows up, and the houses are full of people at nighttime. So I, I was in the village one day, and I said, hey, Pam is a friend of mine. Would you take a picture? Or can I take a picture? So she said, wait a minute, wait a minute. She ran into the house and put on this dress. She wanted to look nice for her picture. But the homes are, are just really, really great. Um, we met with the women one night, and we said, I want you to know that every one of these homes is named. And there's also a scripture or a verse because those people are thinking about it and care about you. And so we kind of talked to the women about what their responsibilities are, how to be a good community member, how to care for your house. Because in about three to five years, we haven't gotten that exact number yet, but in three to five years, that house will be hers. She will own that house. So that way she has an asset for her families in the future. We don't want to become caretakers. We want to become providers. And we're going to provide her and her family an opportunity for a safe place to live. One of the coolest things is I got to present the keys to a home to a woman and her four daughters. They are so grateful for these homes. They have running water. One of the women said, I feel like I'm in the United States, that I'm living in a mansion. Now, we have cars that are bigger than some of these homes, and there it's a mansion. I also have been really overtaken about how well they've taken care of these homes. They're starting to plant grass between some of the homes. A lot of them are growing plants. This is, I can't remember what fruit it is. It's mango or papaya, one of those but they're growing fruit trees. They're really caring for their properties, which was really wonderful to see. And so those, the area between the houses 
Um, it's kind of an empty space, but that's become places where they, they hang their clothes up to dry and people hang out and things like that. So it's really fun to see how well they've taken care of their community. So the, the village has room for 64 homes. We have built 56 of the 64, 58 of the 64 homes. We have eight left. I can't do math tonight. So we have eight homes left. That open area there will have eight more homes, plus we're going to have a playground. It's become a town. It's just, there's probably 300 people at least that live there, people in and out all day. It has really become like a small town, protected by a fence, protected by the other people in there. So it's become a really neat community. So in the back or the south end of our village, we have two wells. They're solar-pumped wells. We pump those into containers, big, big um, plastic containers you'll see here in a second. And then it's gravity-fed into the homes. So that pipe will be covered by dirt. These are some of the new homes, but it's gravity-fed into the homes. So they have a spigot inside their home. And so they can turn the water on, and they can have water to cleaning, water to bathe, and water to flush their toilets. Unheard of in Haiti to have a flush toilet. Four homes share a septic system. So that septic system is one that they share so they can have a clean, clean place that they can live. And so it was, it was, there were some really smart things that our, our leader, Dr. William, did and a builder did, and that was one of them. The other thing that they did that was really smart was solar night lights. It really has turned into a really cool thing because that's where they gather at night. It gets dark there early. Five o'clock, it is dark. And so when you got the solar lights, that's where the women are hanging out. That's where the kids are hanging out. That's where you do things because the, the corner, the quarter of our village that doesn't have solar lights is like a ghost town. And so the solar lights really turned out to be cool. And then it also provides safety because it's on a main road. So that's the main road that goes into that town of Ansagale. And if you keep going down that road about a half a mile, it's our school. And about another half a mile, a quarter mile is, is the town. So it's actually kind of out on the edges of the town. We have been offered land across from our village if we will develop a market area probably three to four times the size of the current village. But we have to do something within the next three to five years or we have to give it back. I don't know where that money is going to come from, real frankly. But if we are able to have funds for that, we'll develop a market area so the women have a place to sell their goods and buy their goods. And then also a place where we could build more homes. We also have, are building and completing what's called, we are calling the Agape Center. So inside the women's village is this kind of series of offices. And so the main office, you can see there, is where we will hold, house the microloan program. We started a microloan program so women can have a small loan to develop a business, and then they can go start a business to raise funds for their own family. And so we have a couple women that are running our microloan office. We have food distribution. We have water distribution. So we have an office for them. Then these three little rooms right here are where the clinic will be. The clinic that was at the school will soon be in the village. There's a separate entrance on this end. Here's the main gate right here. There's a separate entrance over here so people can, that want to come to the clinic don't have to come through the village. William surprised me that he and his workers have donated their time to build six more rooms down here that eventually will become a bigger clinic. They were hoping to have it more completed, but they donated their time, and they donated their materials to build six more rooms on, so eventually we'll have a really nice clinic there. 
it will not just be for the women in the village, it'll be for the people in the area. So the, the people that have normally come to our clinic uh, will be able to come there. It's, it's a free clinic, um, so it's pretty popular to have. I actually did a little work. Uh, if you actually saw this picture about 15 minutes from now, there was actually more paint on me than on the ceiling. Um, but concrete's hard to paint. Uh, the stucco really, really, really sucks in the paint. It isn't the best paint in the world, so we have to do that two or three times to get, get, it, get it covered. So we also have to provide clean water for the, for the village. Those wells that I talked about, the water's just, there's too much salt in the water. So you can use it for cleaning and for toilets and things, but you can't drink it. So we pipe in water, have a truck bring water, I should say, clean water to the village. Those three tanks will go on top of the Agape Center when, when it's completed. So that water will be there, and we'll have the women in the, can come every day to get clean water for, the, for drinking and for cooking and so forth. So uh, we pay a little bit, it's not much honestly, and a truck comes out and fills these. And that's also the tanks where um, that gravity-fed water, they talked about the pumps for the homes, that's the same, similar tanks that they would have filled for that. We brought about $2,000 um, just for feeding. Um, it's just gotten to be so hard there. Um, food prices have doubled. As you can see, I wouldn't want to go to Port-au-Prince if I left, if I lived there, um, because they're not only kidnapping foreigners, they're kidnapping each other. And that's one of the ways the gangs raise money, is they kidnap a person, hold them for ransom, and they make money for their gang. The other way is pay for people who travel through their area. We're also hearing that there's some drug trafficking coming through, and so they're willing to receive money and gun, uh, money, guns and trade for drug money. Uh, it's not a good situation. It's not a good situation, but feeding was fun. Um, we had a group that put together a bunch of packets for them, and then the first group is the elderly. They come through, and so the elderly, if you don't work in Haiti, you don't eat. Uh, you live off the kindness of your family and others, so food is pretty precious for those people. Then the second group is we delivered a care package to every one of the 56 homes there. We dropped off a, a package of food to all the women. And then, of course, we had to give the kids some cookies, and that was a free-for-all. Uh, that was something. Um, but it was super fun. And the kids were just great. I mean, everywhere you went, you had kids hanging on you, and they're just so grateful to be a part of there. And they're, they're having fun with each other. They're, they love the soccer balls because that open area then became a soccer field. And that's, the, that's one of the best parts for me is just to kind of hang out with the kids. So I think, again, we kind of want you to kind of think about in your own life, um, what is it that God calls you to? And it doesn't have to be to, to sit in a bumpy boat. It can be a lot of things. Uh, be part of the prayer group. Um, call the neighbor that you haven't seen in a long time. Support the people that you know that need your support. Because God calls us to beautiful and, and God calls us to hard things. Um, I'm not going to make this an infomercial, but as our ministry has grown, our need for funds have grown. If we didn't have Invitation Church, we'd be in a world of hurt. We get a monthly check from them, from a monthly payment from this church every month that supports our school and other things. We'd be in a hard place if we didn't get that. There are also many people in here who have supported us financially, and we're really grateful for that. The only thing I would say is money goes a long way there. $50 will feed all of our kids for a day. $100 will buy medicine for our clinic for one week. $150 supports a kid for an entire school year. Uniform, meal every day, year of education. And so 
your money goes a long way there. We don't have any paid staff. Um, I don't know how to hunt and fish, and so this is what I do for my hobby. That and ride bumpy boats, that's what I do for my living. And so your money goes directly to the ministry that it supports. Um, I'll be here to hang out a little bit afterwards. If you have questions, you may have questions about why, about our ministry or anything you, that you may have questions about. I'll hang around for a little bit afterwards, and you can certainly uh, grab me and, and ask any questions that you have. So thank you so much for letting me have uh, some time to be with you this tonight. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.